Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of October 20th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, here to discuss all of the latest Dirt Late Model news and results with the rest of the DOD editorial staff, Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and Robert Holman. I feel like every week we start this podcast and I, and I say something on the lines of it's been a busy weekend or we have a lot to discuss, uh, but I, I, I want to say that I really mean it this week, that uh, it was a, a big weekend with a a lot of headlines. Um, put it this way, Ricky Thornton Jr. beat Brandon Overton to win hundred grand at the Dirt Track World Championship. And I think that to some people, that may have been the third biggest headline coming out of uh, the DTWC this weekend, depending on who you ask. But uh, the other two big headlines, of course, being the, uh, the fight or altercation, scuffle, whatever you want to call it, between Chris Ferguson's crew and the Rocket Chassis house car team that got both Ferguson and Brandon Shepard disqualified from uh, the event. And, of course, the Lucas Oil Series released uh, its 2022 schedule and points fund that includes something like a bazillion dollars being paid out over the course of, of next season. So we'll, uh, we have, like I said, a lot to discuss, and we'll get to, uh, definitely get to the, the uh, altercation there and uh, try to get to some of the scheduling stuff for next year in the episode. But we're going to start uh, with the on-track action, uh, which, like I said, Ricky Thornton Jr., his big win. 100 grand uh, career highest victory, I believe, for him. And it really kind of turned around a season, a rookie season for him that, of course, he won the Lucas Oil Series Rookie of the Year. But perhaps to some people, maybe he didn't meet that high standard he set whenever he was winning so much as a uh, dirt late model part-timer. Kevin, you were there this weekend. How do you feel like the the, the big win for RTJ? How did that kind of turn around? Or what did that mean to him for both his career resume he's building and also for the season he's had this year? Oh yeah. Well, immediately after the race, like one of the first things he talks about is how it really kind of made him, he almost like a, it certified him as a late model guy. Cause he's still, he was still like an open wheel modified guy. Cause he'd never put a full season of late model racing in, but here's the last race of the year. He put the whole national tour year in uh, and he wins rookie of the year. Let's not forget about that. He also was rookie of the year for the uh, uh, Lucas oil series. And he wins a crown jewel event. I mean, and he, he remember he won the Pittsburgher 100 last year, not a crown jewel, but still $20,000 to win. And he won a big outlaw race uh, uh, out there in Minnesota, I believe it was uh, earlier in the year. Uh, so he got to, had some wins. It's, it's not like he had big, hadn't had big national wins, but man, like you get a crown jewel under your belt, $100,000 crown jewel. And it puts you up there. I mean, you, you don't do that if you're not, if you're not one of the a, a really good guy and and I think that really got him uh that, that was the most exciting part for him he wasn't even sure how much money he was getting out of that it seemed like I asked him after the race well what's this do for a guy with two kids and you know married two kids and he's like well you know like Todd Burr or Todd you know he's we're supposed to be getting uh you know we're gonna get our we don't know what our percentage is gonna be so I'm like wow that's you know you usually don't even hear that from a driver that they don't know what their percentage is uh, after a big win, so uh, he has a, a his deal, I guess, with uh, SSI Motorsports is a little different, where he, he doesn't have a set uh, percentage. But um, yeah, it's I'd, I'd seen also. I think we everybody kind of had bigger expectations for for uh, Thornton the way he started. He he wins that Pittsburgher end of the year last year. He comes out this year and he wins during speed weeks, which is another accomplishment. And he won at uh, Ocala. Uh, right, right uh, Lucas race, uh, you know, right first couple weeks of the season. And he had, and he also won out in, uh, in Arizona where he ran really well out in Arizona uh, during the wild west shootout. So I'm just like, man, this guy, he, he could just take it by storm. But, 
he didn't win after him. He was his only. That was his first. That was only other. That was his only late uh, Lucas Oil win until this weekend. He had a couple other uh, non-Lucas Oil wins. Uh, when you have a five-month stretch there that you have no wins, and it kind of was like, well, hey, this is what a nor what what, what a typical rookie goes through. Uh, it, the more talented rookie, more expectations, but rookies don't usually just come on of a series, a national tour, and just tear it up the whole year long. And he went through trials and tribulations and he went through some struggles. And, and now, I mean, to come out the end of the year to win that a big race like that, I think that shows what potential this driver has. And he's going to be in, I think, for the long haul now, kind of cemented him as, a, as the guy for, for down into the future. Yeah, th- definitely a big win for him and, and his season. And I, I wonder if you kind of mentioned the the trials and, and hard times he went through the, as a rookie. And I read uh, his his wife's post. Um, you kind of talked about him, the, you know, his family and everything on Facebook uh, after the win. And it really described, like, kind of how hard they've worked, that team, uh, Ricky himself, um, and all that they've been through uh, there. It was kind of – you forget just how hard these guys work. And, and, and whenever he was a part-timer and only running the, the late model team here and there, it may have – actually been a little easier you know on him and and the crew so um you know i think uh, another example of um perseverance and uh paying off uh, obviously there was a big win for him uh the other like i said big news uh from the the dirt track world championship uh was the uh the pit uh the, i guess you call it a fight in the pits altercation scuffle whatever you want to call it um none of us actually witnessed it so we can't really <laughs> really say and uh surprisingly and this uh, day and age we live in, surprisingly, no one, there's no video of it to be seen. Uh, a few pictures floating around, but uh, it made for some wild stories um, of people as it was kind of the news was coming out and it was on social media. And as talking to you guys before we started the podcast, I had a buddy text me. I had heard nothing about it. I was actually kind of did a little getaway this weekend. was at dinner with my wife and I was trying to ignore my phone, but then popped up a, a message there and I, I happened to look over at it and a buddy texted me saying, you know, do you hear what happened? With Mark Richards and Ferguson at the Dirt Track World Championship, you know, someone said, uh, and of course, none of this is accurate, so don't, this is not me saying it's true, but uh, the text was, I heard uh, he was breaching in and punching Ferguson through the window, and then Ferguson's crew member ran him over with the full wheeler. So that was my first, like, initial, you know, breaking news. This is what happened. And of course, I immediately, unfortunately, my wife got aggravated, but I went ahead and started trying to figure out what actually happened. Uh, so I was wondering if you guys, Todd and Robert, if y'all, uh, how you guys heard about the, um, the scuffle there uh, between the Rocket House Car team and Ferguson's crew. Uh, Robert, what, what, where did, how did you uh, learn about it? Did you get caught up in the social media, um, you know, hoopla, or uh, kind of how did you find out? I honestly think I saw it on Facebook. I was at uh, uh, Duck River, so you know I wasn't like keeping track, and the signal's not so great out there. But when we got headed home, I, I was checking stuff, and we we got home pretty early that night, around ten thirty or so, and. And I just saw it on social media. It was just like, you know how social media is. You don't really know what's what. So I just kind of took it with a grain of salt, basically, and, and kind of held out, you know, thoughts until I got more information. Because I knew, obviously, that I knew obviously that Kevin was there and that we would get, you know, a, a few more details uh, and, and facts, actually, not necessarily, you know, rumors and innuendos and stuff like that. So, but yeah, social media is where I first saw it and, and heard about it. And so I knew that there was a, a situation that happened. And to me, 
it, it was more of uh, what was true. And what was true was that Chris Ferguson and Brandon Shepard got disqualified from the Dirt Track World Championship. So th that's what was the most important thing out of that whole deal for me at the moment, you know, when I first saw that, because obviously you, you think that Shepard, with his track record there at, at Portsmouth, had a chance to win maybe um, his fifth and tie Freddie Smith, and that was a big storyline going in. And so that that took that away. And, and obviously Ferguson was a heat race winner. And uh, so he was really fast. So that took his opportunity to potentially have a career payday, took that away. So that's, I was just dealing more with the facts of the race at the time and kind of held out my thoughts until I got a little more information. Yeah, Todd, I think you were following along pretty closely there uh, remotely, help uh, assisting Kevin. So I imagine you kind of knew what was going on a little sooner than uh, you know the rest of us, perhaps. Yeah, Kevin messaged me and told me what was up, and then I was kind of helping him as he was maneuvering, you know, trying to get a hold, trying to talk to those guys and figure out what's going on. I mean, it, as he said, and uh, and as we all know as reporters, you know, things like that when you don't see it, um, and and meant, meant most people didn't see it, you know, when it's kind of in a, and you know, not on the track or not in a pit air, pit part of the pits where everybody's watching. Um, you know, it's, you know, you really, you're, you kind of become a reconstructionist of trying to figure out what's going on as, as the Lucas oil officials did as well. So, uh, um, but, um, but I'm not surprised that, 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 uh, and I guess Kevin was telling me too, <laughs> that he would hear reports from other people at the track saying, oh yeah, this happened and that happened. And this guy did that, you know, like much more dramatic than it really can maybe it turned out to be. I mean, it was definitely, uh, definitely, a worthy of uh the the discipline and the investigation and such but uh certainly those stories can get out of control with the, at the track and 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 by virtue uh of social media beyond the track certainly i think that's like i said my, my buddy that texted me i think had uh caught on caught on to some of those uh out of control stories there uh but like i said thankfully we had kevin on the scene to uh to to investigatively report on it there and kevin uh, just kind of what putting all this aside what was the facts as you found out or were, a, were able to find out uh based on your investigative boots on the ground journalism there at the, the dirt track <laughs> yeah well i was in the infield during the heat race the fifth heat that when the situation i guess started <clears throat> um it was uh ferguson was on the pole the heat shepherd second and when they went into the first turn uh Ferguson, you know, shot to the top of the track. I mean, that's where he, he wanted to be. I mean, that's where the races were being won. And he, when he went up, I mean, I was over in the, the you know, more the turn four side. I looked over and I could see him. It was, it was very dusty in the afternoon still. Um, and the sun and it was tough to see everything, but I could see enough. And I'm like, oh, he did kind of come up a little, seemed like he went up a little bit more than maybe some of the other pole sitters did. And, and when that happened, it looked like it. Um, I, I kind of said to myself, oh, hey, the, Shepard lost the air off his front and then he got a little wiggly and he fell all the way back to sixth. And, and I, I remember glancing over, Mark Richards was right in the middle of the infield, like standing on his, on his, uh, on a, on the, I think the pit box watching the race. And, and you could see he's shaking his head and wasn't very happy, but I didn't know like if he would do anything afterwards, I didn't realize that he was already upset for two other incidents this year. He says that 
Ferguson had slid across and he always like gets the first, he says he lets the first one go the second time he, he gets a little angry. And then the third time he wants to say something to somebody, but uh, Ferguson will say that, well, the way he, the way he like approached it was probably wrong where he came into the, uh, when they were coming off the track, they go off the track and turn three and go down like a pit road to a scales. And, and uh, when they go over that, you can't see anything from the infield. They disappear and they weren't on video either. And, and uh, Richards drove his motorbike right alongside uh, Ferguson's car. Mark says that he was just holding his hands up, asking what the heck happened. Uh, Ferguson says that Mark was had grabbed his window net and didn't know if he was going to try to get in at him or what. And and Mark uh, and then uh, Ferguson believes that uh, his crew guy Tadpole, that's his name, Tadpole. Uh, his nickname, uh, he saw on, he was on a four wheeler. He saw Mark grabbing in on the, onto him, onto Ferguson and he wanted to defend his driver. So he cut him off with his four wheeler and then kind of all hell broke loose. You know, Ferguson stopped his car. Everybody stopped and Richards was pinned against the, again, the, the door in the four wheeler and, and he was still on his bike and, uh, the crew guy punched, started punching him. I mean, there was say Hey, well, the true guy might've gotten punched first or gotten pushed first or something. That's when everything got real cloudy, but there was team members from both teams involved and just went crazy. And before a Lucas oil official even got there, it was over uh, or it was cleaning up, I guess, once the officials did get there, because there wasn't any in that area. <clears throat> a track official might've seen it, but other than that, but you saw, again, there was all kinds of other stories. Ever this, I saw this, I saw this, I saw this, you know, and, there wasn't one. The only two people that really, really knew exactly what happened was Mark and Chris uh, in terms of the window net situation. And, and Lucas determined that since it was in a common area, they both were at fault. It wasn't like one guy went to the other guy's uh, uh, pit area. And so both of them were disqualified. Yeah. And Initial reactions. I guess I'll get you guys' uh, take on it. I mean, do you feel like that's the the right call Lucas Oil made there? Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you. I mean, based on all you know, what you the one did all the reporting, you feel like they made the right call to go ahead and toss both of them? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's a tough call. Like where you're saying, like, well, maybe did if if the first punch was thrown by the who was who threw the first punch? Was it the was it the guy that from the rocket team <clears throat> when they saw? Uh, Mark getting, you know, cut off by the, the Ferguson crew member. Was it the crew member from Ferguson's team that threw the first punch without getting anything from the other? I mean, who knows? But uh, like Rick Schwally from the Lucas Oil Series said, the thing doesn't escalate in that situation if Mark doesn't pull up alongside. Hey, like Mark is saying, hey, you can't show any emotion or something. I'm mean, always just asking him what happened, you know, but. Then again, you shouldn't be, maybe somebody shouldn't be driving their motorbike alongside a race car that's still moving and, and asking. And then that could escalate it because the other team sees their, that guy go into their driver. They want to defend their driver. Then the other team wants to defend their crew guy. So it just, it just spiraled. It just snowballed from that point. And so I guess that's uh, why you could say uh, the Luke Swallow series can say, like, let, let's both of you are disqualified because it doesn't, it doesn't even get to the point where people lose their tempers that much if nobody's running alongside of the a car and, and, and trying to show their displeasure in that way. So, I mean, no, no, everybody was at fault in some way. You know, you know, probably more at fault if the guy, if when you have a situation where there's punches thrown, uh, 
but it's hard to, to, you know, when you don't have video of it, especially, it's hard to really pinpoint who should have been the one at fault. Yeah, and I think the the takeaway, if you're another you know team or another driver or anyone involved in the sport, is you might want to think and step back before you do anything or show like any kind of reaction to something that happens on the track because you're going to be potentially held responsible, even if you're just gesturing or uh, whatever, you know, like going up to you know talk to the, the other guy and you do it in an angry manner and it leads to a reaction from the other team you know you may be at fault and it may uh you know affect you so may and and like i said i've I'm, come from a racing family been around it all my life and it's real easy to let those emotions get the best of you and and you say or do something that you normally wouldn't do uh, so maybe it's best to step back and cool off a minute or two or maybe you know uh you know, half a half hour or something, or maybe till after the race. And then if you feel like you need to go uh, talk to that guy or that, that other team, then maybe do it. That's perhaps the, the takeaway that Lucas oil by doing what they did and, and penalizing both teams kind of, you know, got a, got out of it is, Hey, let's all think before we act and, and, and even do anything, um, you know, after a situation like that. So uh, imagine all of us, you know, being around the sport as long as we have and, and involved in it in different, different, um, you know, facets in different ways have seen or perhaps even been involved in a, uh, you know, an altercation. And, and like I said, certainly seen, maybe even reported on uh, some major, um, you know, bouts, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, throughout our career. So I figured that would be a good way to kind of segue into something, uh, you know, a little, little more uh, perhaps entertaining and uh, sharing some stories of, of uh, altercations or fights we've we've seen witnessed, or like I said, been a part of perhaps at the, the racetrack. And, uh, uh, Todd, I'll start with you. I know you, you covered one of the most, uh, you know, well-known ones there on your, uh, near throughout your career on the summer nationals a, a few years ago. Is that the, the super shepherd, uh, uh, fight and Herb with Herb, is that one of the, that sticks out the most to you or do you got some other stories you, you remember throughout your years in the sport? Well, just to get started, I want to make clear I have not been involved in anything myself. Just you know, no, no disrespect to those of you that might have been, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, with this the Super Shep, you know, uh, Steve Shepard and uh, Dennis Herb there at Highland. I mean, to to me, what what is most notable about that one to me, um, and that didn't, uh, I guess, that it happened right there on the front stretch. But really, for me, it was that I got such good photos of it and i was fortunate I, I was actually sitting there in the infield at highland they had like some horrible trailer or something and but when i saw steve shepherd go spinning i immediately grabbed my camera and i just happened to kind of i was just like in the perfect position to have steve shepherd running all the way up the front stretch the wrong direction toward herb's car and i just held held the the shutter down on my camera and I was just shooting everything I could. And <laughs> of course it turned out to be, you know, just a perfect angle to see him climbing the nose of his car and then land on the land on the hood while, while the other officials are chasing him. And of course he kind of reaches in and tried to punch her. I mean, I don't, I don't think any damage was done. <laughs> That's what we always laugh about when we look at the photos, like herb, there's no reaction to herb the whole time. He doesn't ever move. Finally, his car starts moving a little bit, but he never turned his head. He never did anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy. And I, I guess that's one thing I think about these fights. Now, that one, it's right there on the front stretch. So it's on video and, and photos, and all the fans are going ballistic about it. But, like, this uh, 
the situations at DDWC. So many things happen um, out of the, you know, the view of anybody. And that makes it tricky for us reporters a little bit. I think sometimes, you know, probably in my past life or longer ago as a reporter when things weren't so immediate when things weren't online immediately you know if if it happened kind of privately you know you you know you probably not do that big a thing about it uh, or maybe you know it's a little trickier to report on back then now i think maybe it's just because because maybe one of the parties might might reveal what happened on social media. It, it, it's become where it's a little more open, but it is a little tricky with uh, with the fights. Actually, one one of the ones I remember covering the most, and I did witness this one in the pits, and it was an asphalt race down in Florida. Wayne Anderson actually won a race. And I guess he roughed some guy up, and that guy came to protest after the race, and and Anderson just started punching him, <laughs> like right in front of a bunch of people. I was even shooting pictures of it. Uh, and then a couple of days later, like uh, Anderson called me up to like talk to me about kind of like uh, Mia culpa, like, hey, you're not going to write about that, are you? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of tricky, tricky as a reporter, uh, you know, trying to get all sides. It depends on, I guess, if you've witnessed the whole thing or whatever. Uh, but sometimes it's things that aren't even, uh, even fisticuffs, you know, I think most popularly that I remember in, in a short period is Josh Richards and Terry Casey down at speed week several years ago, getting into it multiple times. And finally, you know, Casey kind of lost his temper and, and Rex Richards, uh, and nothing ever happened in the pits there, but, you know, you kind of got to go talk to the, both the guys and all that stuff. But, uh, um, it is a sport of emotions. I think you're right, Joshua, what you said about, uh, you know, you have to measure yourself a little bit uh, uh, with what's going to happen because, I mean, it, can, it it is so easy. I mean, we all know from, from riding down the highway and somebody <laughs> cutting us off and we start shaking our fists or, or, or pass them back up or whatever, that it can be a very emotional thing behind the wheel. So... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky, tricky to report on in some ways. Uh, um, I don't know, maybe if y'all want to, if y'all want to go and talk about some others, maybe I'll come back and talk about a little bit more, but, uh, um, you know, again, not involved personally, you know, just to be clear before you guys go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And important to note that Todd's never personally been involved in any, uh, racetrack fights, but he may have had a case of road rage along the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> but uh robert what what about you any uh interesting stories to share well i've um the last dirt track world championship there at pennsboro uh, i covered that for national dirt digest and that's the the infamous uh the bill fry incident on the front straightaway with uh with duke uh i, I think we we sent i'm sorry i butchered his name there but uh, Duke had uh, kind of triggered a melee there on the front stretch, and um, it, it stacked up. There, there are great photos from this, you know, roaming around out there. Their cars stacked on top of each other on the front stretch there at Pennsboro, uh, just two and three deep. I mean, on top of cars, probably eight cars in this heat rate heat race, and uh, and and I've gone and there's video of of the accident also roaming around out there uh even though this was in 2001 uh so so i've gone back and watched videos 
believe it or not, I can't even remember if I wrote a story or, or wrote anything about the fight itself. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. But, uh, you know, Bill Fry, he's a big strapping fella. And uh, and uh, if you've ever heard of the, the Fry stories, you know, uh, of him telling him how he was grazed and, and grew up, you know, he's they don't take he didn't take a whole lot of crap over there in Arkansas, apparently. So when he got to Pennsboro, West Virginia, I guess he wasn't taking any crap there either. Um, Duke uh, did did kind of trigger a melee, and and Fry push, comes back around. Fry, I'm not even sure Fry was in it. Fry parked his car, gets out, and you can see him. He is hot, you know, because uh, he walks up there, and he doesn't even wait. He starts pulling. He pulls Duke out of his car. I mean, he grabs him. It's like it's like almost he grabbed him by the helmet and pulled him out of the car, and uh, and about that time, you know, I think some officials kind of tackled um, Bill and kind of broke things up before it got too heated. But uh, that's you know, Dirt Track World Championship, emotional, a lot of money on the line, uh, crown jewel, uh, tight racing. It, it all you know, it it all leads to uh, to the, that you know. Sometimes I think we've all seen stuff like that. I've you know, it is, the funny thing is, it's a, it's hard. A lot of times crew members think they see something that the driver doesn't see, or the driver thinks he feels something in a car or sees something in the car that the crew members do see or vice versa. You know, there are times when my brothers got out of a car and it's like, you know, what was that? You know, I can't believe he doored me like that. He, he killed, in fact, just down at, uh, just down at Chatham, uh, he gets out of the car and walks around. He's like, good God, I can't believe he did that to the car like that. Look at that. And I said, and I'm like, you know, Hey Jim, that happened five laps earlier when, uh, you know, when that, when that wreck, that, that whole door and the whole side got killed over there. I said, that guy didn't do that. I said, I know that guy kind of hit you or whatever, but he didn't do all that damage to the car. So, you know, it's very difficult to see in these cars, especially the way they are, you know, built now with your, uh, safety, uh, you know, equipment and all that stuff. So it, it's tricky when a driver thinks something happened and it maybe didn't, you know, you have to, you have to be a, like someone, one of us just said, you have to kind of take a few minutes to kind of maybe debrief or, or, or let it, let it kind of simmer there for a second and let it go, go down. In fact, to, before you approach someone, because what you think happened may not always be what happened. Uh, I firstly thought that Fergie had Shepard clear, but it's so dusty. Mark probably did think he, Mark might've thought they made contact. It's very possible, you know? So uh, the little things like that happen, uh, you have to be, you have to uh, maybe talk to, to several people and find out what really happened. I know that we, we were, involved in i've been you know i've been escorted out of a place with the i've had a police escort out of thunder hill you know before uh yeah my you know i've uh that's been about 10 years ago and i witnessed everything congratulations thank you thank you it's, uh, uh <clears throat> i witnessed everything that my brother witnessed from inside the car and i i actually agreed with i didn't agree with his antics for what cost us what forced us to get escorted out of thunder hill i didn't agree with the post of what he did but i do agree with what 
the racing part of of it he uh, he got he got turned he was actually getting lapped which no surprise but he he was but he was it was close to the end of the race and and the leader comes by and clears us with no problem and then all of a sudden the second place guy comes by and instead of clearing us he basically just drives across our front end uh, coming off a of four completely across the front end well when he did that it kind of turned him sideways it didn't really do anything to our car it kind of turned the guy sideways so i guess my brother was a little ill at that 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 happened that the leader managed to go by without touching us and had no problem and was gone on and there was probably like four laps left in this race and the second place guy i think the second place guy knew i'm not going to say his name but he knew that he he had to get by at that point or he was no chance he was going to be able to catch you know the leader so when he drives by, he just literally drives across our front end and gets kind of turned sideways. Well, my brother, I don't even think he ever got out of the gas. He pushed him all the way down the front straightaway and dumped him, let let him go finally at the end of the front straightaway and, and went on. Well, uh, early in the race, Jim was involved in another caution, not of his doing. And so they said that that was a two caution rule. And they said, told him to get off the racetrack. And he's like, he wouldn't get off the racetrack, basically. And because he said that first caution, first of all, he said the second caution was not his fault when when this guy drove across his front end, even though he was involved in it, clearly. So he rode around the track for about five more laps. They should have just been scoring him. We could have finished the race. He rode around the track for about five more laps. And then, then they tried to get the wrecker to stop him. He dodged the wrecker. It was just a huge melee. It was just, it was just, it was terribly embarrassing. I, and my mom was there and, and I've, I'm finally, I'm like, Hey, just go, go to the van. We'll meet you at home. If we get out of here, you know, if we manage to leave here, we'll, we'll get out of here, you know, somehow. It, but, uh, but you know, emotions are high. You know, I've, you know, if you're, if you're in this deal long enough, Mark Richards has been in this deal. I, I guarantee you it's not the first scuffle that Mark Richards has ever been in. He has been in this sport a long time. Uh, if if you race in this stuff, especially back in the old days, you you dealt with this on a a, a lot. Uh, that's just that's just the nature of our sport, and and I think that everybody that has been in this sport long term, twenty thirty years, uh, has been in some kind of altercation at some at some point, and 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 understands that your emotions kind of get away from you sometime and, and, and that's just part of it. And you try to put it behind you and, and go on. I think, um, I think Todd would again like to clarify that he's never personally been involved, even though he's in a, in a fight, even though he's been in the sport 20 to 30 years, but I will agree that if uh, anyone who's been involved. sounds nice. An escort, you know, <laughs> I'll be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I would agree that if you've been involved as a, uh, a participant in this sport perhaps i don't know there's some journalists out there that um got involved uh you know otherwise but um you know as a participant a racer with a race team you've, you've probably been involved in and surprisingly you know it, it makes sense that these guys that are racing for 100 grand uh you know one of the biggest races of the year the the tempers you know the emotions are running high and the tempers flare up but you know really the the most craziest things you'll see at least in my experience sometimes is at the local you know weekly shows that pay 500 or 
thousand or, or whatever to win and uh and and guys are going crazy and having to be i've seen flagman have to yank the steering wheel out of a, a driver's car because he wouldn't get out of the car and kept making laps and doing crazy stuff and um tractors go uh nose to nose with a car because the driver won't stop like some crazy <laughs> stuff and and maybe not perhaps as um dramatic is is uh well i don't know i've, I've been involved in like I, I, those who listen or know me you know i used to race in you know what seems like another lifetime ago to me um in the early 2000s i grew up a family race and i raced for a little while and one of the reasons i quit racing was because i was i'm just really competitive person um and uh, sometimes you know I, I speak from experience when i say you know you gotta step back and cool off before you act uh sometimes and, and one time as i was i was probably i think 17 uh maybe 18 at the time you know i was leading a race and uh a, a guy i i messed up and the guy got under me and i felt like i had him cleared going back into the next corner well he went in on in the corner and knocked me out of the way and i ended up spinning out whatever um and uh as i remember it i was going to pull up beside him once i got corrected and the caution was out. i was going to pull up beside him and just kind of wave at him or something but i ended up hitting him and we both came to a stop, you know, front end to front end, uh, on the front straightaway in front of the entire, you know, crowd, which is a weekly show, wasn't a big crowd or anything. But anyway, he gets out, walks across my nose. And this is a guy that my dad raced with, my uncles raced with, um, that, you know, kind of I grew up watching race. And kind of like it was weird as he's walking across my hood, I almost felt like a kid who's getting ready to get scolded by his father is <laughs> when I felt like sitting there in the car and I knew I'd messed up. Like, I mean, he, I had a right to probably be aggravated. Um, you know, that he probably went in the corner a little harder than he should. Um, but, uh, but you know, I shouldn't have done what I did. And anyway, I learned, I learned a lesson that day. Um, no, you know, fisticuffs or anything like that happened, but, uh, he, he made it clear that he, that I was being stupid in what I did. And, uh, I learned my lesson and, uh, shouldn't have done that but anyway and there's other stories i remember once heading to a track uh, my brother was racing at my twin brother or i got a call and it's like oh y'all go ahead and turn around and it was like what do you mean turn around this is like as the race is getting ready to start well daddy's been arrested uh in the in the cop car and taken to jail i guess we're not racing tonight we're loading up the car <laughs> and uh, anyway it was long story but he had this was back in the early 2000s uh he had gotten in a, an altercation my, my father had with uh, the track owner who was also a racer and they'd had a long history and i won't go into details about that but I, there's there's been plenty of um situations that uh, led to interesting stories um throughout my involvement in racing thankfully none of them from you know my time with dirt on dirt or low racing but uh, but anyway uh kevin do you got any other interesting stories or did uh the one you know covering the uh mark richards and, and chris ferguson fiasco this weekend kind of top the list for you uh it's it's kind of weird that i'm like I, i'm racking my brain here i mean like uh, like what fights have i seen at a racetrack i mean i've been to so many races in so many years and and it, and it always i mean relatively few really i mean most of the time i'm not in position to see it i'm like you know it's like they don't like usually happen on the front stretch too too often you know i mean i I know back in 1986, I saw my favorite driver, Billy Pouch, in a modified race at East Windsor, New Jersey, get out of the car on the track, and him and Doug Hoffman, who were another, was a Pennsylvania guy, was a big guy, they're rolling around in the mud, Pat, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget that, because that was one of the first years I went to the races, and um, but I, I don't really have too many, I like, can't think of, like, late model times where I was, like, really right there watching some of these things. I've seen, seen him on video, I've seen Shane Clanton and 
Ricky Weiss, like a couple years ago down there, just yelling at each other, you know, well, you know, they're just screaming in their faces. It was, but I mean, they didn't fight, but they were yelling. I mean, that was on video and, and, and some of these other things. And, um, I, I went, when Todd did say something about like, he's never been involved. I've never been involved. You know, I was never involved in this fight as a journalist or anything, but, uh, I, that did make me remember one time when I know a writer who almost was involved in a fight one time, it was this Jerry Regal who, who's passed away now. He was a sprint car writer for area auto racing news after I left there. And, and he was covering new Smyrna speedway, the asphalt races down there during speed weeks in Florida. And there was, they always have fights there. Asphalt races have more fights. I think there's more fights there. It's always a fight yes, at new Smyrna. <laughs> It seems like yeah, in, that's where my it, Wayne Anderson story is from, Kevin. Exactly right. Wasn't there always fights, Todd? <laughs> there and Jerry told me that he was standing there. You know, like it was after a it was modified. It's two asphalt modifieds. One team from Long Island, one team from Pennsylvania, um, and they and it was always at the scales a lot. That's where right in the infield they would fight there. And, and Jerry was he seen that there was fight going on. It was, you know, they were, they were getting ready to go and they're starting there. It's like a bone, like there are people fighting and there's crew guys going at it. And, you know, and, and as this is all going on, Jerry happened to be wearing a Penn state university sweatshirt that day. And so one of the long Island guys thought that he was with the Pennsylvania team because he had a Penn state shirt on. And he literally went over to the guy and, and to Jerry and said like, what are you, what are you looking at? You're, you why did why did your guy do that you know and and Jerry's like I'm not with the team I'm just writing about it you know he goes and I, you had to you have to think about like what you wear I guess because you could be involved with the race team but uh and, and modified back in my back big block modified days I do remember more f you know like things where I saw it because it seems like you got to know when something's happening you got to be following somebody and, and Brett Hearn was a big modified guy. Um, that everybody, I think most people would know. Um, it was up at Can-Am Speedway up by Watertown, New York one year. And, and I knew that him and Frank Cozy had had a fight, had a little spin on, on the track late in the race, Cozy spun. And so I saw, or, or, and then he came up and got Brett or something. And then I just watched Brett. I came in the pits and I saw him making a beeline over to Frank Cozy's car. And I'm, I'm going to follow him. So I was like literally right behind him. And then right when he says to Frank Cozy, what? What's up, Frank? What are you doing? Cozy looked at him like a I, – I swear to God, I, I I almost bolted because I looked at the guy's eyes. I'm like, this guy wants to rip someone's head off. And then he literally went right over to Brett Hearn, grabs him by the neck, and says, you want me to snap your neck now or later? I, I even I used that as a quote in my story because I was able to hear that. I actually heard it right away. But uh, And Brett Hearn's face was – he's not a fighter. And, and his face was like, oh, my God. This is guy's gonna kill me, and then you know they broke it up. But that was as close as I've ever come. Like that was five feet in front of me. And one other thing, I just gotta mention this one real quick. It's a modified thing. It's one of probably the craziest brawl type thing I've ever seen. It was actually at a banquet, an awards banquet. It what this was not at a racetrack. <laughs> uh, this was at the Dirt Motorsports Banquet for Big Block Modifieds in the year 2000. The nice hotel Syracuse, downtown Syracuse. End of the night. Everything's going good. They had a band playing, and I'll leave the names out. I've, some people probably know who it is, but uh, that I that that I know. But I'll leave the names out there. It's at 1:30 in the morning. The band's playing. The band's supposed to stop, and so one of the official, one of the guys from Dirt Motorsports says, "Hey, you throw money up here. We'll get the band to play for another half an hour, or hour." And so. Then the one guy, one, this is, this is a race car driver. It was a driver. He would have been kind of passed out over to the side. 
Uh, he was already, you know, pretty lit up, I think. And he'd been cut off at the bar, you know, and all. And so he wakes up, throws a 50 down, and then he wants another drink. So he goes out to where they have like one of them little mobile bars. You push him around, you know. He goes out to that, kind of falls in. They wouldn't give him a drink because they said, you're cut off. He bounces into it. And he's like, you're going to give me a drink now. And this was all because they're adding time to the to the party. It should have been over. And so next thing you know, I'm inside the bar, uh, the banquet room, and I see people just streaming out. And I saw the, guy, the this driver's engine builder running out and one of his teammates running out. I'm like, what's going on? And I look out there, and he's in the middle of a brawl with, like, the the workers at the banquet. Like, the chefs were coming out with their big chef's hats. They're running out of the out of the kitchen to try to, like, break <laughs> this up. And I'm like, what? And, and, of course, this was the end. This was the end of the party. The party ended. And um and so it and like it, this did end with that driver going to jail for the night you know like he kind of like sat out in the lobby there everybody was just kind of watching and what's he gonna do next and you know it ended up being bad and well again we won't won't mention names but it he's not proud of it but uh and and that's what happened in the next morning it, glenn donnelly was the promoter at that point you know for dirt motorsports and he said to the one guy that the crew the the official that actually said like throw money up here he goes that's why you never do that you don't get you, you call it off right there look at what happened it was all because of you making people stay longer so i don't know it was a banquet brawl how many times does that happen huh hmm? <laughs> yeah see that see the headline now <laughs> yeah i actually uh, didn't write about some, that though. we left that one out i was, that gonna, was, I was wondering i was wondering if that was did. late night um, that was late late night so we i like that's yeah. Uh, let's let's not put that in <laughs> Off there. Off the record. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. What, what? It's some interesting stories here, and I think we should um should uh, finish that segment by just saying that we do not condone fighting at the races <laughs> or at at banquets or you know any of that. Like we're not saying that's uh, a good thing to be doing, but it does make for some interesting stories, both uh you know from a reporter standpoint and perhaps you know sharing later. So uh, anyway um. I, I wanted. I was hoping we would get a chance to talk a little bit about schedules. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Lucas Oil Series schedule came out, and just a, a huge year plan for them next year. We already saw the World of a partial World of Outlaw schedule came out a few weeks ago, and of course the uh, the XR uh, series uh, came out with with their plans for uh, for next year, including Bristol and um, uh, some a race at Charlotte and Texas and Vegas and all that stuff. I think we're going to save that for another podcast since we got a little long-winded on our, our stories about fights um, and uh, really break down, you know, the national tour landscape for next season because it is already shaping up to be a, a big year next year. But uh, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and head into our one more thing segment. This is uh, something we do every week where we just each go around and uh, uh, point out one thing that stood out to us, uh, news item, race result, whatever it may be uh, from the uh, from the previous week, and uh, let's see. I will. Uh, I'll start with Todd for one more thing. Todd, what do you got for one more thing this week? Yeah, I'd just like to congratulate Dave Argerbright. You know, Saturday was his last uh, race reporting with the Lucas Oil Bunch, and uh, you know, he's a longtime writer, and and I guess may, mostly later in his career, more of a broadcaster, and maybe better known that way. And uh, just congratulations to him. He, he's done a great job. He's a great writer. Uh, he's kind of a, you know, for, for a guy like me and us, you know, a little, you know, somebody to look at as 
who who has kind of crafted a, a a media career in races, short track racing, and he's done a great job. I'm actually working on a story I plan to write, just kind of wrapping up his career a little bit. Um, so I'm promoing that a little bit. But congrats to Dave, and it was uh, uh, it's been good to to know him. I mean, to to like rub shoulder, rub elbows with him, and like be his be a friend of his and, and a colleague has been uh, very satisfying. So congratulations to him. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's uh, glad not to be driving home with the uh, toothpicks on his eyelids from Batesville, you know, anymore after, <laughs> after all his long years with the Lucas oil series. Yeah. And uh, congrats to, to Dave on a, a great career. And I'll, I'll say I'll add, maybe I'll go ahead and make this one my one more thing, but um, a personal memory I have uh, with Dave and I don't, um, I don't remember where this was, but it was during my early days, my first stint with Dirt on Dirt, probably 10 years ago, um, whenever it was now. But he uh, he came up to me at a race, and the first time I had never met him before, and he shook my hand and just said how much he liked one of the articles I had written on Dirt on Dirt. And it, like, made my my week or whatever, my, my year that year, to um, you know, for him to, to do that. And, uh, and he always, even though I felt like I didn't really know Dave really well, don't know him really well, uh, every time I see him at the races, he was – real nice and real, you know, always seemed like he said something about what I had done. And I'm like, why would you, <laughs> he actually pays attention uh, a little bit to me. So that was pretty cool. Um, and he was all, that's just kind of, kind of, kind of guy he is. So um, yeah, uh, best wishes to him as he uh, steps away and steps back a little bit there. So uh, what about you, uh, Robert, what do you have for one more thing? I just, uh, I wanted to point out that uh, Tennessee and Austin Neely won that, uh, the steel block part up there at, at Portsmouth, the steel block late model series race, uh, which I think paid $4,000 to win. Uh, but I, I always think it's interesting at the cars that that race there at the end of the year uh, draws. I think like last year, um, I noticed Brandon Brown from uh, from down. I think Todd had done a story on him earlier this year about the wins and stuff that he had gotten down. And he's from uh, central Alabama area. So, uh, you know, I think that, that that race drew like 59 cars, which is an incredible amount of steel block cars. And and I think it's one of those races that draws in a, a very eclectic uh, kind of field because it's late in the year and, and people kind of want to be part of that, uh, that, that atmosphere. So you travel, uh, you know, uh, long distances to get to that race and be part of the Dirt Track World Championship. Uh, can you imagine... If say uh, you know, say if Eldora had a, a crate race or whatever the same weekend as the World 100 or something, it, it's who knows what how many people would cars would show up for that. But uh, but anyway, congrats to Austin Neely, uh, who's one of those guys that you don't expect to see, you know, traveling to uh, to Portsmouth to race, but he won that steel block uh, 25 and picked up four thousand uh, dollars. The Taswell, he's from Taswell, Tennessee. So congrats to him on that win. There you go. Definitely a big deal there on a big stage uh, on the support division there. Uh, Kevin, what about you? What do you got for one more thing? Yeah, well, again, I'll, I'll you know mention uh, also Dave Argib right there, like Todd said, and, and you said Joshua. Congratulations, Tim, on ending his uh, uh, you know long career there with, uh, behind the with the microphone and stuff. And, and one little side note there, I I, I got to be uh, I, I know people really appreciate him because I had a fan come up to me. As after the race was over at, at, at Portsmouth on Saturday, as I came back into the pits and I was carrying the microphone, you know, like with Danny Wilson, our video guy, we were going to go do a couple more interviews after the race. So this fan apparently thought that I was Dave Argabright 
and came up and see says, you know, congratulations on your retirement, man. I've been been watching. I get, I mean, I had like a went heavy coat and you know maybe yeah, I couldn't see me that well. And I'm like, am I retiring? I don't know what what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? And I said, oh, I think you want that guy over there, Dave Argabright. And then the guy went over. He's oh, geez, sorry about that. You know, I just saw the microphone. I thought you know, and I'm like, well, okay, that's good to be. Yeah, hey, get LinkedIn with Dave though. That's all right. I'll take that. So. Uh, but as for uh, one more thing, I'll uh, you know, mention uh, this week's the Keystone Cup at Bedford Speedway in Pennsylvania, kind of not too far from me, uh, two hours away. So uh, $25,000 to win. There's no Lucas races, no World of Outlaws races. Uh, I don't know how uh, much the, those guys, uh, maybe they might want to have a little break, I guess, you know, I'm, you know if they all want to run. But for $25,000, i am sure there'll be probably, probably will be uh, some uh, bigger names come up in, uh, and run. And it should be interesting to just see who shows up. Uh, for that's one of those races. I think it's going to be a, uh, Hey man, this guy, you didn't, you didn't know this guy was coming and, he, and he's there. So uh, kind of uh, hoping that the uh, hoping gets, uh, get a good field for that race the, this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a big weekend for the uh, see and who goes where type feel. We don't get that much during the season with everyone being committed to tours and kind of knowing where everyone's going, but you do have big races. As you mentioned at Bedford, uh, Alltech Raceway has a big crate race, Powell Family Memorial, 26,000 to win. Why not? And Mississippi has 15,000 to win Fall Classic. Uh, I-75 Raceway has a big Ironman uh, series race. And then the Southern All-Stars will be at Sonoya, a nice little tune-up for the uh, uh, the Peach State Classic coming up there next month. So definitely a lot to keep your eye on and and, and watch for uh, this weekend. We'll have all the, the news and results, of course, uh, here on Dirt on Dirt. And tune in on Flow Racing for uh, some live coverage or some of those events. And then, of course, we'll be back next week for another episode of the podcast. Until then, y'all have a great week.